this is your podcast host, Ray Silva of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is part two of my interview with Vaquero radio host, Luis Rubio. We sit down and talk about the NBA Finals and, of course, the latest with the Houston Texans firing of Bill O'Brien and bringing in an interim head coach in Romeo Cornell. Thank you for listening. Now, moving on to the to the NBA now. Boy, you know, it just seems for me like the NBA just really likes to prolong their games. You got Jimmy Butler, the Heat. You got LeBron and the Lakers. Teams that aren't, I mean, the Heat is just not giving an inch right now. Everyone thought by game one this would have already ended in four games. But the feet, but the Heat have found their way to survive those heavy punches that eventually one of those becomes a knockout punch. But they have they have known how to counter strike the Lakers. And for me, I sincerely hope that this thing goes to distance, but I don't foresee it happening. That I mean, it's just uh, J- Jimmy Butler is just playing out of his mind right now, and yeah. I just kind of feel for the Heat right now, which they're missing an important piece of their puzzle. But for Jimmy Butler to take in that, that team on his shoulders and get the compliment help of, of, of Tyler Hero and, and a few other spare pieces and Bam Adebayo, I, I just feel like this uh, they're not going to make this easy for LeBron. They're just not. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, just the way the Heat are built, um, they built up, you know, we've heard it now for the now I'm going to be the a millionth and one time I say this, right? But the heat culture, I mean, it's a real thing. And I mean, it's a, it's a culture of toughness, of discipline, of, you know, all for one and one for all, you know. And yeah, to your point, they're not going to make this easy for LeBron. But at the same time, as much as I want the heat to win, because Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite players, um, just because Jimmy Butler listens to country music, which I think is amazing. Um, and plus, I like his toughness, um, among other things. I, I just like the way he, he leads. I like the way he, he, he conducts himself. Um, and as much as I want the Heat to win, you know, I, I don't think it's possible just because, yes, they might have gotten the LeBron and, and the Lakers one or two games here. But, I mean, it's LeBron. He's the best player of our generation. And, you know, even though I don't subscribe to this reasoning he is considered the best player of all time you know I still think personally it's Michael Jordan um just because I knew that that you know when it was winning time Mike was gonna win but uh but LeBron is the best player of this generation and for him to blow a 3-1 lead it you know it's not gonna happen you know I don't see it happening and if it does you can bring me back on Ray and we can talk about it and you could like you know make fun of me for thinking that the heat couldn't come back but um 
but I agree. I mean, the Heat, the Heat missing Goran Dragic, which was their leading scorer against Boston and a really good point guard, um, you know, it definitely does hurt. And it does also hurt that Bam is not at 100% to guard Davis down low. And, you know, it, and it's also, you know, difficult for the Heat where they don't really have any other big man outside of Bam. You know, they can play Myers Leonard or Kelly Olynyk, but, you know, Anthony Davis is just going to shred them to pieces. Um, so as much as I wanted the Heat to win, you know, it's kind of just going to end up being the Lakers just because they have LeBron and AD. Um, and, and it brings me no joy saying that the Lakers are going to win because um, I am a Pistons fan. So um, I kind of naturally hate the Lakers uh, just because of the stuff that went down in the early 90s. Uh, with Magic and Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lambeer and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and how they stole, they absolutely stole a championship from us. Um, but, you know, you got to give respect to LeBron and to the whole team. I mean, they, they, they're they making it work and, you know, they should be getting this win. I don't know when game six is, but they should be getting this win next time they play and, you know, hosting the, the Larry O'Brien trophy. For me... I um, I don't foresee LeBron losing this. I, I just foresee this one going the distance. But man, oh man, I just I just feel like the Lakers have all the weapons to win it. But however, you brought in two key words into play for the Heat. That is mental toughness. Mental toughness is what's been driving the Miami Heat all this time. And and Butler has been like that heart and soul of that mental toughness. And I just think that they have enough gas in that tank to go one more game and then game seven it's just going to be a free-for-all now I'm personally a Dallas Mavericks fan myself so me my, my, my two biggest rivals are the Spurs and the Rockets so for me to either see the Lakers win or the Heat win, despite having some playoff history with those two teams, I wouldn't be upset if either either one wins because I, I've seen them do, do some playoff battles. Even that surprising uh, 4-0 sweep when uh, the Lakers had Phil Jackson and Kobe Bryant on um, on one sideline. And with the Heat, two NBA's finals versus when Dwayne Wade had Shaq and when LeBron went over there mimicking uh, Dirk Nowitzki and Chris Bosh and his uh, quote-unquote cold flu game where they saw Dirk coughing and coughing, LeBron and Chris Bosh decided to mimic him. And that mimicking cost them that game. So for me, I wouldn't be bothered if either team wins it, but I know that that I would be bothered just 
that much more if Spurs or the Rockets were still around and not the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers are, are kind of the team to hate, right? Especially when they have LeBron and AD. But like you said, I mean, if it gets to a game seven, anything can happen. Anything can happen in a game seven. You know, momentum is lost for the Lakers, even though they should be the better team. And all the momentum is for the Heat. You know, we've seen this happen before, you know, infamously. The 3-1 Warriors, Cavs, um, it happened there. You know, bringing it back to baseball since we were talking about it earlier, 3-1. to one, uh, You know, the Boston Red Sox coming back against the Yankees, and, and I think it was 0-4. I mean, if it gets to a game seven, anything can happen and all bets are off. But, you know, if LeBron is as great as he is, and as much as I believe he is, because, you know, we have to respect, we have to respect him. I mean, he, you know, as fun as it could be to hate LeBron, even though I'm not a LeBron hater, I respect him. I love his game. I love what he does both on and off the court. Um, if he's as great as he says he is, and he wants to come, you know, after Mike, after Michael Jordan, if he wants to say that he is the greatest of all time, you know, he should close out this game. He should have closed out the game, you know, the series last game, game five. You know, but, you know, that didn't happen. But now it's time for him to close close, uh, close this series right here in game six. So um, if LeBron is as great as he says he is and, you know, as great as I believe he is, you know, this he, it's not going to get to a game seven. But if it does get to a game seven, all bets are off. Anything can happen. And if anything, I would put my money on the Miami Heat just because they have all the momentum. And I love Jimmy Butler and that whole team. You know, they're just toughness. And. And that's one of the things, you know, that I like about the sports teams I root for is just the toughness that they have, you know, even though like the Dodgers, they have so much mental toughness, um, bringing it local, you know, to uh, UTRGV, you know, all the teams for UTRGV athletics, they're tough. I mean, Coach Hill, Coach Lord, you know, Coach Lease, Coach Bugaryu, I mean, all those teams are tough. So, um, but you know, j- just to reiterate what you said, Ray, I mean, if this get if this gets to a game seven, my money's on the heat, but the Lakers should close this out game six. Um, and, you know, LeBron gets another title and, you know, probably wins finals MVP. Well, I mean, fair, all fair points, all, everything's all valid here. As I am being joined by Paquetto radio host, Luis Rubio, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on to the NFL now. The Houston Texans made the move that the fans have been waiting for since Bless the, the Lord. Bless the Lord. I mean, I'm not a Texans fan. I'm not. But I, my brother is. So I heard the complaining for years upon years upon years that O'Brien – it even got to a point in this household when they traded away DeAndre Hopkins that my brother actually thought it was a good move. They, he thought it was a good move that, okay, we're not going to have to pay DeAndre Hopkins. That's how low, that's how low Texans fans had the bar set, the bar of expectation set for Bill O'Brien. Well, look, I will, I will credit to the person who, whoever said that, okay? You can be a low standard, but one thing that people kind of forget, Bill O'Brien comes from the Bill Belichick tree. Okay. And may I remind everyone, he may have gone through six or seven quarterbacks 
and like three division titles, multiple playoff appearances, a couple of playoff wins. That's kind of like a little bit of a win for Bill Belichick of coaching pre here. Okay. Because you can go check other Belichick uh, coaching assistants that have tried being head coaches before. Not a lot of success. Bill O'Brien, though, some success until given the GM title. Now, understandably, going to DeAndre Hopkins back again. O'Brien came from that Belichick tree where he didn't believe in paying the money when there's already like a current uh, structure in place for that certain contract. So having that been said, I just feel like there, there's that point where uh, Hopkins um, wanted more money. The organization wasn't caving in because he already had, he had already a nice bumper bonus to, to that original contract that was restructured that was done so i can kind of see it from that end but to get fleeced the way they did that was murderous that was 100 murderous to get one second round in david johnson and then not only that but you trade away the immediate future, immediate future to get Deshaun Watson some help. You trade away several first round picks and the second and the third for an offensive lineman who hasn't proved his worth and for a wide receiver who hasn't necessarily been healthy. And then not only that, you top that off by getting another receiver who's been injury-prone in Brandon Cooks. Yeah, you're going to make a lot of people upset with that, especially when you gave away your immediate future. And you, by the way, start 0-4, okay? So not only are you, like, purposely tanking for another team, but... This year is kind of already a waste, so you kind of have to wait for like next year, and you and you've just already wasted Deshaun Watson's two good prime years, and he's got almost next to nothing to work with because Will Fuller can't stay healthy, Kenny Stills can't stay healthy, Brandon Cooks can't stay healthy, but you got some pretty good tight ends that are halfway decent and you've got some running backs that are just middle of the road no no big highlight plays or anything you're just your three out three yards in a cloud of dust so basically it's almost a good thing that the texans got rid of bill o'brien almost a good thing right i mean it was a miracle they got rid of bill o'brien like i agree I agree. Out of all the Bill Belichick coaching tree assistants, Bill O'Brien is probably one of the better ones. I mean, if anything, he might be the best one because, you know, right now looking, Matt Patricia is terrible in Detroit. Brian Flores, I think, is actually a really good head coach. He's in Miami, so that they're still building up there. 
Um, Romeo Cornell, who is now going to replace Bill O'Brien for the rest of the season, he was kind of, he was a flame out in uh, Cleveland and that one year in Kansas City. I'm trying to think of other Eric Mangini uh, for the Jets was terrible. Um, so if anything, I do have to give you credit there. You know that he is probably one of the better Bill Belichick disciples assistants. Um, but I also think it's also due in part because of the division they play. I mean, they play against the perennial dumpster fire that is Jacksonville. You know, that's only really had that one good season in, in I think it was 2017 with, with the awesome defense and, and them clicking. And then besides that, like the Titans who are always 500 and, you know, the Colts that, you know, even though they're a really good team, you know, they had their seasons where, you know, luck is out and a backup's playing the whole year and, um, so I think it's also a result of the division that, you know, the whole division is pretty bad. And by default, the Texans have to win, but I, I do have to give you credit. I mean, Bill O'Brien is at least a good coach when it comes to the GM part. That is the part where it is terrible because, um, even though I don't agree trading Hopkins, I feel like even Bill Belichick doesn't trade away certain players under any circumstances, you know, like for example, Stephon Gilmore, you know, he didn't trade him away and he's the best cornerback and all of the I mean he was defensive player of the year last season and he's asking for more money or he was asking for more money you know don't trade him away and DeAndre Hopkins you know is one of the best three wide receivers in the NFL you know depending the order you want to put them Michael Thomas Julio Jones you know whoever else you want to put up there um so you're not supposed to trade him and then like you said when you traded him you got nothing in return you got you got David Johnson, David Johnson. I mean, the, he was basically out the door in Arizona. And the only reason the Texans got him was because they didn't want to wait till he hit free agency. I mean, David Johnson wasn't going to get his contract extended by Arizona. Like if Bill O'Brien so desperately wanted a running back like David Johnson, he could have just waited like three weeks and could have gotten David Johnson for free, you know? And then not only that, but the logic that Bill O'Brien uses that, you know, we traded away Hopkins because he wanted to get paid. Okay. Okay. But then show it, show it in your actions. You know, don't just say it in words, show it in your actions. Because once, when you give away Hopkins and then, like you said, you turn around and you pay Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb, who is nowhere near the level of DeAndre Hopkins, an absurd amount of money, you know, that it just doesn't, you know, Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks, who I don't think has played a game this season, or at least has been a zero this whole season for the Texans, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't match what he's saying. So, and not only that, but I mean, some of the stuff that I was hearing was that, you know, Bill O'Brien got in a lot of fights with players and a lot of disagreements. And, and you know, once you lose the locker room, you lose the team, you know, and, and I guess that's what happened early this season. I mean, I knew they, he was fighting or there was an altercation or, you know, a shouting match between him and J.J. Watt. And, you know, when you lose the captain of the team, J.J. Watt, the, the, the leader of the team, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's basically a, a, a dead man's job there for the head coach for Bill O'Brien. So, you know, I'm happy for you guys that you guys got rid of Bill O'Brien because even I was starting to get a little bit worried for you guys, even though it was pretty fun. Uh, making memes and laughing at you guys over the last couple of years from all the blunders and mistakes and 
you know all the trades um i'm happy that you for you guys that, that you guys finally got you got bill o'brien out the door it was starting to get honestly ray like about a week or two ago it was starting to get really sad you know just just watching you guys suffer every single sunday i i started struggling to i i, I struggled to distinguish who were the texans fans and who were the cowboys fans from so much suffering that was going on between both of y'all but but now it's good to see at least Texans fans are happy while while Cowboys fans are are a little bit down in the dumps. Well, I, I really can't speak for Cowboy fans because it's been like two and a half decades for them that can't seem to get anything right, regardless of who they have or what they sign. Uh, and that's just been been a recurring theme, you know, as as oh my, you know, for for the Texans to at least make that corner turn, it's the first sign in the right direction. And and, and thankfully uh, for them, they play in such a bad division that, you know, if Andrew Luck had stayed with the Colts, they would have they ran wild with the AFC style because he had the coaching. Luck had the coaching, he had the weapons, he had everything lined up to at least end up going 12 and 3 to 13 and 3 every year in that division. I mean, or even 11 and 5, because let's just say they give them the Patriots, the Steelers on the schedule. So those are really tough teams. Even a Baltimore even scheduled in there. So the AFC South is like the weakest division. Now, you can also say the same thing about the NFC East, where you have a Philadelphia team who's like one and two in a draw against Cincinnati. That can easily make them the the worst candidate. Even if Washington wins again and Philadelphia loses again, guess what? Washington's a back on the of their division. So I kind of see the NFC East and the AFC South as perhaps the two weakest links in the NFL as far as divisions are concerned. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the AFC South, just because Tennessee is pretty good, um, even though they're battling COVID right now, and I hope you know everyone gets better and they can be back on the field. Um, and you know, Indianapolis, even though they got Philip Rivers, who wouldn't have been my first option as a free agent quarterback, um, but they they're showing needed, signs of they life. needed a but they needed a veteran, though. Yeah, I agree, I agree. They, they needed, needed a, veteran. a veteran, and certainly Joe Flacco wasn't my number one option either. You, you, you are either stuck with Brissett and a rookie, Brissett's not that, uh overly powerly that overpowering quarterback he'll know how to manage the game but that he's going to be the prototype quarterback with that can explode your offense for 30 points no he'll know how to manage game situations but that he but because of the weapons that Indianapolis has I I, I just feel like Rivers has that uh, has a better chance of getting 
that team back into the playoffs with at least a 10-win record. Yeah, I mean, I agree. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, it's just tape. You know, Philip Rivers is close to retirement. And, you know, it's one season, which is good. Like, I mean, if you can make the playoffs this season, that's excellent. That's a win. But what are you going to do after this season? You're just going to go back to Brissette. And if you would have gotten, you know, someone that was a little bit younger and also had experience, like, for example, Cam Newton, who was sitting in free agency for the longest time. And, and, and I agree. I mean, that's probably a tough situation with the medicals and stuff like that. But at least Cam Newton, you know, lasts more than one year with the organization because this same problem, if Philip Rivers retires or, you know, leaves or whatever, it's going to happen again this, this coming off season, you know, but I agree. I mean, for this one year, Philip Rivers is a good option, but I would have gone with someone with someone, some, someone like a Cam Newton or Tyrod Taylor, or, you know, they might not be a list type quarterbacks, but at least it's a little bit more patchwork for the future. Or if not, at least draft a quarterback. I mean, there was plenty of options and they didn't get a quarterback. The, until, I think, the, the, the Colts, the Colts did draft Jacob Eason from, uh, Washington. Washington University. Yeah, yeah, and Jacob Eason is a good college quarterback, but you know I don't see his skill translating to the NFL. You know, even though he's a really good college quarterback, and he was even projected as a first rounder at one point. Um, I just feel like there's better options than Phil Rivers, but at the same time, like I, I agree with you, like Phil Rivers is a good quarterback or a good enough quarterback this season that can get him into the playoffs, especially behind that offensive line. Um, but With T.Y. Hilton being a, a, as a good number one receiver for for Indianapolis and perhaps one of the more explosive walkouts uh, throughout the league. I mean, it's just w- one of those things where, it, you know, Tennessee is so lucky to have what they have right now because they're not going to be a team that's going to beat you deep. They're just going to want to punish you, do a lot of that grounded pound uh, running, which, yes, it can be a, su- a success, but at the same time, I just feel like that, I mean, uh, Lord forbid, I mean, they may be like a Derrick Henry injury away from like unraveling. Because they don't have a plan B for them. I mean, Tannehill is is lucky enough to have him, but I I, I just don't foresee uh, Tennessee's luck uh, running any higher than what it already is. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Tennessee is not a team with a ceiling or with a with a high ceiling, they're more of a team with a high floor or, you know, like we know what they are. And, you know, last season in the playoffs is kind of like the maximum of their potential or the, like if everything was clicking and all cylinders, which it was last season. And, you know, there's not really, a, or at least from my point of view, I don't really see them. I don't see how they can take another step, you know, unless Tannehill, becomes Peyton Manning or something like that, a, in a super elite quarterback, you know, maybe. And to a certain extent, he, he shows it in, in flashes, right? But he's not. Um, but going back to, to the division, so, 
this was really the Texas division to win. And starting 0-4 is not the best way to get there, to win the division. So um, it, the AFC South is, is pretty bad, you know, to, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it's got some good players. I mean, Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Phillip Rivers, T.Y. Hilton, uh, um, J.J. Watt. Watt, Gardner Minshew. I love Gardner Minshew. I mean, I think he's hilarious. Uh, Gardner Minshew, DJ Chark, uh, you know, it's just a bad division. But the, the same can be said for 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 the Cowboys division the, with with the Eagles and and Washington and the Giants. I mean, they have good players. Each roster has good players, except maybe Washington. But I mean, the Cowboys. No, the, I, I would beg to differ there. I think the team with the worst roster in the NFC East would probably be the Giants because of all the injuries that they have right now. And I just feel like that's another team preparing itself to tank to see if they can get something better out of the draft. It's because the Giants, you know, I love Saquon Barkley. I love him. I think he is, on his good day, he's probably the best running back in the NFL, if not top three, you know, behind Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. But the thing is that running backs are really prone to injury and there's a billion of them, you know? So taking a running back with this number two overall pick, you know, he, he better be Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith or Walter Payton or, you know, Gail Sayers, you know, whatever all time great running back, Damian Tomlinson type, because in that draft, there was also a bunch of quarterbacks. If, if I'm correct, I think that was the Baker Mayfield draft. Um, so the Giants could have solved their quarterback problem. And let's face it, you know, as much as we love NFL football from the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s when you required, you know, those the Walter Paytons and the Emmett Smiths and the Barry Sanders and the Ladanian Tomlinsons and, you know, the NFL today is completely different. You rely on quarterbacks. So to take a running back with the number two overall pick in that draft over, you know, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, even though I don't think Sam Darnold is personally that good, but, you know, other quarterbacks, it's a pretty bad job on the GM. And then not to mention that, but they come back and they draft Daniel Jones, who I guess you love his intangibles. I guess you like his builds. Uh, I mean, he's tall. I mean, okay, but, you know, even at Duke, you could tell he's not – he wasn't a good quarterback. So, I mean, I, I, I agree with you that the Giants probably have the least amount of talent due to injury, but I think their problem is more of, of their GM, and his name is slipping my mind right now. He used to be the GM for the Carolina Panthers, but um, he, he just hasn't done a good job. I mean, taking Daniel Jones at six – when you could have gotten him in the second round or third round and him basically having a turnover per game is not ideal. And then add on top of that, you've lost Saquon for the season. You know, it's not a good team. Um, but I mean, the entire division is, is pretty bad. I mean, the Eagles are bad because they have injuries like crazy. I mean, the whole offensive line is duct tape at this point. Um, anyone they can find, um, the, the defense for the Eagles is 
kind of patchwork and, you know, trying to find some pieces here and there. The Giants are just bad and not to mention their number one player, Saquon, got hurt. Washington, is, you know, has been a dumpster fire for years. And even though they're trying, and I say trying in a very, very questionable, sarcastic voice, like they're not even trying to make the team better. Like that team is terrible. And then the Cowboys who should be the number one team in the division. And if not the entire NFC, the problem is their defense is there's no defense. There is no defense for the Cowboys and the coaching is still terrible. You know, who would have thought that Mike McCarthy was a bad hire? You know, of course I say that sarcastically because I didn't like the Mike McCarthy hire, but like, you know, you just replaced Garrett with McCarthy and you can see the results. I mean, that's why they're one in three right now. And, you know, Dallas is losing their minds or Dallas fans are losing their minds because they've lost the teams that they should have beat. And even that one win against the Falcons was a fluke because the Falcons, all they do is choke late game, late game lead. So if anything, the NFC East is probably the worst division just from a personnel and execution standpoint. But, you know, what can you do? I mean, that's the price teams have to pay when they're not prepared. And, you know, when they don't do their homework, you know, if you look at, at other divisions, you know, around the NFL, um, like the NFC West, where you have, you know, San Francisco, you have the Rams, you have the Seahawks, you have the Cardinals, you know, that team, even though the Cardinals are probably the worst, they have a lot of talent. They have Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, um, Kyler Murray, they have a couple good players in, in their defense, even though their defense is still lackluster. The Rams have, they still have good talent, even though the way they manage the cap is pretty poorly. Um, I mean, you shouldn't be giving Goff that much money, but I understand. Uh, the Niners are, you know, analytically driven and they're really good. You know, they've just been hit by the injury bug this season. And then, you know, Seattle is always good. So, when teams do their homework and when they do the right thing and they draft well and, and and they promote certain cultures, you know, you get divisions like the NFC West where every team in that division is a contender. Unlike the NFC East where every team is, you know, you don't know who's going to win that division in a bad way. For me, for me personally, I don't think Sam Darnold is a bad quarterback. I just think that the coaching going on with the Jets is very poor. And when you lose a locker room like the way Adam Gaze has, time for a coaching change there. To be honest, to be honest, like it surprised me that Bill O'Brien was the first head coach fired. Like you would have thought it would have been Adam Gase, first coach fired, or, or Matt Patricia, first coach fired. No, it was Bill O'Brien. So, so like, I agree. And, I mean, the Jets are – they have a whole bunch of mess internally. I mean, the owner is not even in the building. He's in England, um, you know, for reasons um, that I don't want to get into. But, you know, he's in England, so he's not even with the team on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, when every player that leaves that organization talks bad about – you know, just Jamal Adams – you know, all like he basically forced himself out of New York. And as soon as he got out, he was like, Adam Gase is terrible. And Adam Gase this, Adam Gase that, you know, it's like, what? And then you start seeing other players that come out of like 
new out of, out of the Jets, like Robbie Anderson for the Panthers this season. I mean, he he has been playing amazing, and you know, on the Jets, never even heard of him. Le'Veon Bell, even though Le'Veon Bell came in with problems, I mean, he's not the same player with the Jets. I mean, it's just terrible. So I agree. Like, like Adam Gase has to go. You know, as as tough as that is to say, because you know, let's let's be real here. We don't like anybody to lose their job. You know, that's and especially right now, we don't like anybody to lose their job. But I mean, when when you're when when you're, it feels like universally hated inside your own building inside what's supposed to be your safe space that's a pretty that's a pretty strong sign that you know you've lost the team and the team doesn't respect you and and i mean maybe maybe if sam darnold gets a different coach he'll be good um but at least for me personally i guess this is where we differ right me personally even him coming out of usc i never really liked sam darnold i thought sam darnold was more of a Daniel Jones type of guy um, in, in terms of the looks, you know, you always hear it on draft day and like on mock drafts, you know, he looks like an NFL quarterback. He's tall, he's strong, you know, um, but when it comes to being a quarterback, you don't need to be tall and strong, you know, look at Russell Wilson. He's short and fast, you know, he's Kyler Murray, same thing, short and fast. Prescott has his own different skill set, you know, Garoppolo has his own different skill set. Brady has his own different skill set. So, you know, I, I personally, I never liked Arnold. And, but hopefully, hopefully, if he gets a new coach, he can show some people that, you know, he is worthy of the, I think it was the number three overall pick for the New York Jets, mm-hmm. um, that he's worthy of that number three overall, overall value. For me, you know, you, you, bring up some interesting things about Darnold and I kind of I kind of felt like he he's had those flashes in the pan especially last season when they hosted Dallas and he exposed them for what they are uh for me I can also uh point out a couple of things with the Washington football team I just feel like Ron Rivera is that right coach I just feel like the quarterback that they have shouldn't be Dwayne Haskins. I really think they should they should go with Alex Smith because Alex Smith has been there before. He he's known what he's had. He's, I mean, he's basically a a good solid veteran that I think Washington would be better off with at least with this first year under Ron Rivera. Now, you also mentioned Mike McCarthy in Dallas. I just I just look at him, what he did in Green Bay, and I see what he's done so far. A lot of people just see McCarthy as an extension of Jason Garrett. And yeah. And I just feel like, okay, while that may be a, a fair a fair assumption to make, with when McCarthy was at Green Bay, he had to build a, a cup a couple of pieces to get around the to get himself in 
into winning situations. Now, the quarterbacking is a little bit different because I feel like Rodgers and Prescott are like two completely different things, okay? And with Prescott, I just feel like he can be a little bit more of – he's a lot more of a runner than Roger is. But Rodgers is that cerebral type that he'll know how to extend plays. Prescott, yes, he can extend plays, but it, it's going to be the type of extended plays where you see, uh, you see him uh, avoiding tackles and potentially getting hurt in one, in one of those plays. Now, something that McCarthy – has a bigger advantage of that he didn't have in, in Green Bay is a running back, which they're not using enough of. They're not using enough of Zeke Elliott when they have him there. Prime years. And it's just and, – and for the Giants, it's just going to be one of those years where if – if they get back Barkley and they get back Jones, they better be able to prove that they can complement one another uh, because otherwise that Daniel Jones draft pick is going to look awfully bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree that that it, it doesn't make sense when you draft a running back so high in the draft. And he's going to be really high usage. But then one, I'm not sure if it was one or two drafts later, you select Daniel Jones and now you're expecting to throw the ball all over the field. I mean, it just doesn't make sense, you know? And, and that's kind of like my point that I brought up earlier. It's like, you know, I love Saquon Barkley and he's probably one of the best running backs in the end. He is the best running back in the NFL when healthy. But, you know, running backs are, you know, they, they shouldn't be drafted that high, and there's so many running backs that come out of nowhere that, you know, that's, it, it, there's more value in drafting a running back in the second round than there is the first. And there's even more value in drafting a running back in the third than there is the second. So I agree. I agree. And, and, and to your point about Mike McCarthy, I mean, I think he was a solid head coach, but I think it's just when you walk into Dallas, there's so much pressure and you're never really going to have full, full control of, of, of decision-making just because you, you have to answer to Jerry Jones, you know, and Jerry Jones is, you know, he's a hall of famer. He is one of the main figures of the NFL in the NFL's history, but he makes a lot of decisions and sometimes it's to the detriment of his own team. And when you don't let the coach, do his job or, you know, or that pressure, you know, it leads to bad results that, you know, we've been seeing play out early in the season. So, um, so yeah, but, but I, I also agree that Prescott, I, I feel like Prescott, even though Prescott and Rogers are two different types of players and they have both two different types of skill sets. Um, I still think Prescott um, under good head coaching, um, where they let him run the ball a little bit more and use 
Zeke and, you know, you've been seeing him with all the receivers this year and the tight ends. I mean, I think Prescott is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Personally, I love him. I love him. I love watching him play. Yes, he has mistakes every once in a while, but I mean, that's when he's trying to come back from his defense, putting him in a massive, massive deficit. So, um, but Rogers is amazing. I mean, I have him in my fantasy team this year. So uh, thank you, Rogers, for all the points you've been putting up. Um, but no, both quarterbacks are amazing. Well, folks, I want to thank Baquero Radio host Luis Rubio. Luis, where can people find you at? Yeah, so, thank you. Yeah, th- uh, first of all, thank you once again, Ray, for, for having me on. And trust me, whenever you need me, I'm always here. I always love talking sports with you. Um, but yeah, people can find us on the internet at utrgbradio.com. You know, we cover sports, we cover uh, local Rio Grande Valley news, UTRGV news, um, and we have live music playing there all the time, 24-7. So you could just go on there, listen to music. You can also follow us on Facebook at UTRGV Radio. Uh, we're always doing cool stuff on there. Uh, you know, we host live concerts there on Facebook. Um, we also hold roundtable discussions. Um, pretty interesting stuff going on there on Facebook. Also, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Vaquero Radio. Um, we always update people there and we always, you know, try to put out fun and interesting content there. And then if anybody wants to follow me personally, if anybody wants to chat um, uh, just sports about anything, you know, trust me, I watch every type of sport. I mean, even during this pandemic, I was watching Ukrainian ping pong. So, uh, that's how much my love for sports goes. Uh, you can follow me at radio underscore Rubio on Twitter. So those are all the places. And please go check us out on uh, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and on the page uh, on utrgbradio.com. We always put out excellent content. Uh, music's always playing there live 24-7. Uh, we have DJ shows going on throughout the week and just amazing stuff. And and once again, Ray, I want to thank you so much for, for having me here today on uh, – and, and hopefully I was able to help you here on your last second uh, change of plans. Well, thank you so much. I mean, this wasn't uh, probably a change of plans, but this was good. I kind of foresaw it happening because original guests never got back to me in a timely form. So I, I kind of had you like to, uh, toss in a, a nice six innings of shutout ball, probably the best thing you could ever give the show thank you thank you ray and, and like i said you know if we can do this more often i'm always here i always love talking sports and i mean sports are back sports are in full effect right now we got football we got college football we got you know we got soccer all over the world i mean the prem la liga mls uh you know anything ray i'm always here and and thank you so much for for having me again thank you thank you so much for having me here today all right, many thanks, Luis Rubio of U- of Vaquero Radio. Hello, sports fans. Thanks for listening to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is your host, Ray Silva. Be tuned next week for another great episode as we drop podcasts every Monday here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Don't forget, our podcast can also be found via Google Podcast, 
Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.